checked this earlier. Good morning. So glad you've joined us today for the second part of this uh, six-part series on the Lord's Prayer. You see, I told you last week, the Lord's Prayer is the most recited and most memorized Bible text. It, there is no Bible text memorized and, and studied really more than the Lord's Prayer. This prayer is in, uh, you'll find it in Matthew and Luke, uh, two different accounts. And this prayer is, is known for its simplicity and its beauty. But it's not only a reflection on how to pray, it, it's actually a model of how to live as a Christian too. It's not just a prayer, it's, it's a way of life as a Christian. So last week we talked about God being our Father and that being our Father he is better than any dad you can imagine because he is never changing. We are always changing. We, we can be good dads one day and bad days dads the next day because we're always changing. But God never changes. So he is the ultimate daddy. And that, that he is holy. There is none like him. And today, uh, I want to read this from... Uh, Jonathan Edwards, he says this, there is no way that Christians in a private capacity can do so much to promote the work of God and advance the kingdom of Christ as by prayers. Because that's our job, by the way, as Christians, to advance the kingdom of God. So today we're going to be talking about, in Matthew 6, verse 10, your kingdom come. It's important that we say, your kingdom come. And we go, well, we read in the text that, that when uh, David was reading the text for communion, that, that they said, this is the king of the Jews. Because here's the thing about the kingdom. The kingdom's already here, but it's not here yet. It's very complicated, okay? Because it's already here, and it's already available, but it's not here fully yet. Because Jesus hasn't come back again. So it's already here, but not yet. So now I've confused you. Matthew 6.10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, if we're asking God, kingdom, to come, that makes us, if he's God and he's sitting on the throne, that makes us, as believing Christians, subject, to God. See, our, our Father is not just our Father. He is also the King of Kings sitting on the throne, ruling over not just this world, but this universe. Not all that we know about, all that He knows about. See, when will you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? You become a subject of a new kingdom. And you are just like me. I'm, a, an, I'm not a citizen of America yet. I am planning on doing that, actually, in the next year. But, but I am a resident alien. So are all of you. Because this is not your kingdom. This is not where you are supposed to live. You are just like me. We should have residents of heaven cards. We are resident aliens. Because we do not belong here. As Christians, we don't belong here. 
but we are here. See, yes, God is our Father, but He's also, our Father is regarded as a King. And in prayer, we are to come to Him, not only as our Father, but also to the throne of the great monarchy of the universe. You see, the mercy seat is what He sits on. His throne is the mercy seat of God. Let us not forget this. You see, the kingdom is not just the kingdom of heaven because the Bible tells us that Jesus sits on the throne in heaven and rules over the whole earth and heaven. See, this term, your kingdom come, is Christ's ruling activity, his reigning. That is why it's already here, but not quite yet. In his people's hearts through their faith in him. So God's kingdom is supposed to be living in our hearts. In our hearts as subjects of God. So that name of Jesus is proclaimed and more people meet Jesus. And if more people meet Jesus, more people will be in the kingdom. This is us asking the kingdom to come as subjects. See, every believer in Jesus should be so excited. We should be excited about what was done for us. Some, some of the Christians I know are the most dullest people in the world, and they should be the most excited, most happy people in the world. We should be celebrating every day. We don't, God does not have to do anything for me today. I know he will, not because I deserve it, but he will. But he already did something 2,000 years ago. We just celebrated communion because of what he did for us. And we should be excited that our Lord and Savior would come and become a man, put on flesh. How humiliating for God to put on flesh. And he lived a life that we could not live. Nobody in here is perfect. We're far from perfect. Far from perfect. And he was perfect. And he lived a life that you could not live. But then he was willing to die for you. This is why I say if God takes Everything that I think is valuable away from me today. He is still God and he is still on the throne. And he still will deserve to be worshipped. Because I don't serve a God because what he is giving me. I serve a God for what he has already gave me. He gave me eternal life. See, I always ask this question. If the news is so good, if if because if, if, it's called the good news, isn't it? If the news is good, why don't we act like it? Why don't we act like this? Because if you find out any news, and it's good news, you want to share it, share it with the world. That's why we have Facebook. Because if you think something is important enough to share, people post it now. Some of the stuff they post, they think is important. 
It probably isn't. But they think it's so important that they want to share it with the world. You know, we're Christians. The best news, the good news is that we had a Savior that died and made, we become subjects of this king. See, we, we don't want to do this. So guess, guess who we are basically subjects of ourselves? We, we push even as good Christians. I'm using that. I'm being sarcastic, by the way, just if you didn't know. We sit ourselves on our throne. We boot Jesus off until there's a problem. Until there's a problem. We, we, we live our lives the way we want to live them until we're so deep in a hole, or we know we're going to get really deep in a hole, then we want to put Jesus back on our throne. Then we want to follow Jesus again. We've got to realize that we are always a subject to God. God should always be on that throne. We need to continually be kicking ourselves off of the throne because that's the problem. We want to be king. And Jesus didn't come and die so you could be king. He came so he could be your king and take care of you. See, we are praying when we pray this prayer. When we pray, thy kingdom come or your kingdom come. We're praying for hell to be emptier and heaven to be fuller. That's the best way to look at that part of the prayer. We're praying for hell to be emptier and heaven to be fuller. Because as a Christian, that is what I want. I hope you want the same thing. Romans 14, 17 says this, For the kingdom of God is not, not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace. You see, when we pray to God, we're not praying to a God who sits on a throne of justice. Because if we were, we would be condemned by our sins. If our king was sitting on there and he was judging us, none of us would be fit to pray to him. None of us. We can't be in God's presence without Jesus Christ. See, if this was so, what, how could we come at all? No, we come to a king who sits on a throne of grace. He sits on a throne of grace, not a, a throne of condemnation. You see, we go to a God that is a loving God, a caring God, that, that has done all this for you. And he's a loving father that you can come to because he is your king sitting on a throne of grace. And he wants to pour his grace upon your life. So when we pray, Father, your kingdom come, we are praying for his grace to not only flow into us, but to flow out of us. We, you should not, not, we should not 
receive grace and not give grace. Because what that says is that you deserve it and the rest of the world doesn't. And I'm here to tell you, you don't deserve it. Because if you deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. It wouldn't be grace if you deserved it. See, we are, so when we pray, we're supposed to bring grace through us, which will bring peace, peace and righteousness to the world, to this dark world we live in. This world is dark. We are supposed to bring peace to this world. We're not going to bring full peace to this world because only Jesus can do that. But Jesus can use you to bring peace and righteousness because Jesus, not you, made you right. You're not righteous at all. So how are you going to bring righteousness? You're going to bring the same righteousness that you have to other people. The copy and paste theory. You're going to copy Jesus' righteousness and paste it upon your life. And that is going to flow out of you. And you're gonna, you, you, you as Christians should be pouring this grace that has been poured on you out to all people, not some people. All people. I don't care if you believe, if they are a, a non-believing Christian, non-believing people, I don't care what their sexual preferences are. I don't care what color they are. It doesn't matter. We are supposed to love and pour grace upon them. Because I'm going to tell you, whatever you think their sin is, your sin is probably worse. Your sin is probably worse. We're all sinners. We all fall short of God's glory. The next part of that verse, Matthew 6.10 says, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the next part of this petition because we want your will, God, when we pray, we want your will, God, to come upon my life. I'm asking because I ask for stupid stuff. So this is, this is what I, I think when I'm praying. Hey, God... If I ask for anything that is not in accordance with your will in my life, please, please don't give it to me. This is praying your will be done. I might think it's a good thing. I might think I can reach a bunch of people for Christ if he gives this to me. But he might say, hey, I don't think that's going to work for you. So I'm not going to give it because my will for your life is different than your will for your life. So when we pray this, we know that God is all-knowing, all-powerful. So he knows what you need. So when you pray, you're praying. When you pray, your will, God, your will, not mine. You're saying, God. I know I can ask for some dumb stuff. But please, if this dumb stuff isn't what you've got planned for my life, 
give me something else or don't give me anything. Because I want your will in my life. I want you to work through me and use me because I am your subject. See, sometimes I might sound like a broken record. I know that. But I think we're not very smart people, and sometimes we need to hear stuff over and over again. I will probably say every week through the sermon series, God answers every single prayer you pray. Every single prayer you lift up to him, he answers. Yes? No? Maybe you should keep praying because I'm not ready to give it to you yet. And Jesus tells us to pray without ceasing. We are supposed to pray without ceasing. So, it's either yes, no, or maybe later on my timing, not yours. But God has never, ever not answered a prayer. Never. Remember, you and I have permission to come to God. We have permission to come to God, our Father, who sits on the throne of grace. And we are not only required to talk to God as Christians. Because if, if you want a relationship with God, you need to talk to him. Okay? We are, we are encouraged to come to him, not just with feeble prayers, but with boldness. With great boldness, we are to ask our God. He is king. So guess what? He is not king over America. He is not king over England, he is king over the whole universe. So guess what he owns? Everything. So we can come with great boldness to him. I love the story of George Mueller. George Mueller was a German who ended up, he was a very wild young German. When he was 14, he was thrown into to jail because he, he couldn't pay a bill, that he'd run out of the money. His dad was a tax collector, and he'd run out of the money that his dad was, that he stole from his dad. And he not only stole from his dad, he was in uh, prison for a few days or a week. And then when his dad reluctantly bailed him out, then he started stealing from all of his friends. And he was... Messing around with women, he was, he was a worldly man, you could say. He, had, he was going down a path that you would think, oh, wow, this man is it, not going good for this man. When he was 14, he, eventually he, he went to England to go to, to, he went to school, and then he was, went to England to do some, because he got saved at, at and thing because he didn't know. His life was missing something. His life was missing something. And this guy did not want to take, because this, this actual Christian was wanting actually some of George to rub off on him, some worldliness to rub off on him, because he was having doubts for his faith. But he was going to a Bible study, and George said, hey, can I go to the Bible study with you? And this guy said, well, I don't know if we should let George go to this Bible study. But they did. And as they were studying God's word, he realized that this was what his life was missing. 
This was what his life was missing. He, he was missing a relationship with God, the God of the Bible. So he just started studying and studying and studying, and eventually he went into the mission field, and he was actually a couple of things fell through. He thought, he was, he thought God had told them, you, I'm going to send you to, to go to the Jews. Well, that fell through because there was a war. That, that it was just a whole thing of, of life, things that stopped him doing what he thought he was called to do. Long story short, he, hen, he ends up befriending this he goes to England, and, he, and he's on, uh, getting out of London because of the smog, and, and he's breathing bad, so he goes out to Scotland, and he, he meets this, this young pastor that's 24, just the same age as him, and they have the same thing, and they're talking about trusting God. So eventually, this becomes a thing. George, this is why George Mueller is an inspiration, because he decided there was a problem in Bristol because what happened is it was around the same time that uh, William Wilberforce helped end slavery. Well, Bristol was a port, and guess what? They were a wealthy port when slavery was going on, but there was better ports. So once the slave trade stopped, there was all these homeless children. And, And so what he did is said, hey, I'm going to take these homeless people off the street. Okay? So, so he started an orphanage. And, and he starts with one house, one little house with 30 children. But, but the, the amazing part of this story is he made a promise that he would never tell anybody else his needs. He never had a fundraiser. In his life, he was pastoring at this church, and he told him, "This is what I'm going to do." And that's the only time he spoke about. It. He goes, "I'm going to start it." He 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 said, "But we're not going to ask for anything. Anything I need, I'm going to tell God what I need, and He will supply my needs." Well, when it first started, everything went right for him. The first year, two years. God was showing up every day. And then two, three years in, he goes through a rough patch. But this is what would happen. He would pray. The dinner tables would be, the orphans would be around the dinner table. Because within a year, by the way, he had 90 orphans he was feeding. And they would be sitting around the dinner table. And there would be no food in front of them. And at the very last minute, God would show up. God would show up. And he would supply their needs. Then he wanted to expand because they were getting complaints about these orphanages. Because by now, he's got four of these orphanages on the street. And the, the neighbors are like, because this is a residential area. This is a, these are just regular houses, probably two, three-bedroom houses with 30 kids staying in them. They were getting a bit noisy. So he had a letter that said, can you do something about it? So he finds this land, and the, the farmer wants $200 roughly an acre, $300 an acre. George Mueller gets him down to $200 an acre. 
But this is going to be equivalent to build this today, by the way, would be like 23, 24 million dollars. Okay? He said, until God supplies all of the money to build this, we're not going to lay one brick. We're not going to buy the land. We're not going to do anything. Two years. The first, den- the first donation, pe- the first donation they never had so big, paid for a third of it. The first donation was a third of what they needed to raise. took two years to raise the rest of it. They never asked. They just prayed. And God would send people. He would, he would wake people up in the middle of the night. There were stories of, I need to give to this. And by the way, this happened when the economy had crashed. And he raised this money to build this orphanage. And when he died, when he died, they, they, in the newspaper, his, his George Mueller, the man who robbed the streets of a thousand orphans. These orphans would have ended up in, in bad conditions. They would have had to live on the street and die of health problems, or they would have been forced to be in work. And he taught them a job and, and how to, to do stuff. Actually, he, at the time, his, he, he was teaching these children he was teaching these children more than the educational system if you could go to a regular school. He was giving them a better education than they would have had if they, they would go to school. Because people were complaining that they were over-educa- he was over-educating them. But he did it through prayer. Because he believed that his God on the throne, and his guy, God could provide the needs. He trusted God. In a time where there were skeptics, just like there is now, that say God doesn't do miracles anymore. But he did. You see, we need to submit to God just like Mueller submitted to God. To us, we look at this part and say, hey, God, this doesn't seem right. This is backwards. I'm praying to you to tell you what I want. You know, when we pray, that's what we do, by the way. Most of the time when you pray, if you're honest, you're not praying for somebody else. You're praying for yourself. Not all the time. See, we think this is backwards. You see, but Jesus says, hold up. I've got a better way of praying, a better way of living. You should come to God and ask him what he wants. How about that? See, actually, the Lord's Prayer, even when we get to next week where it says, give us our daily bread, okay, Never is about your wants. You do realize that this prayer never, never says about your wants. And I'm not saying because there's other prayers in the Bible that tell you to pray for your wants. But this prayer, this model, does not say ask for your wants. See, see, 
This is wise counsel. Until we're tuned into God's goodness, we won't know what to ask for. That's, this is why I always emphasize we should be reading our Bibles. We should be communicating with God. We should be seeing what his word has to say. And when we read, we pray. And we pray, teach me your ways, O Lord. I want to walk in your light, not my light. I want to follow your ways, not my ways. You see, Jesus is, models this so well at the cross. This humble, healthy attitude that Jesus takes when he goes to the cross. Jesus didn't go to the cross for himself. He went for you. We are not coming to a throne of judgment. We are coming to a throne of grace. See, we're asking God to do his will through us. And he does this. This is us surrendering ourselves to God. To use and to do his work. See, this life is short. This life, actually on your tombstone, it's a dash. Mine is going to say April 10th, 1970 to whatever. But there's a little dash. And, and, and it's what you do with the dash that counts. Now, you can use your dash, your whole dash, to live for yourself. Or you could use some of your dash to, to follow God. You see, he knows what's best for you. He knows what's good for you. And he knows how he can be glorified by using you. Another way of praying this is like the lyrics of Matthew West song. You know, his song, My Own Little World. In it, he says this, Father, and I think this is a good prayer, Father. And I think when we sing this, we don't realize we're praying. I think sometimes we just give worship songs lip service. We don't think about what we're singing. We're just giving them lip service. But the next time you hear this song, the next time you sing this song, think about the words. It says, Father, break my heart for what breaks yours. This is saying, Father, your will be done, not mine. Give me open hands and open doors. Put your light in my eyes and let me see. That my own little world is not about me. Kick me off the throne, God, and place yourself there. See, I can tell you if you are not living in God's will for your life, you're not truly living. If you don't live in the will of God, you are not truly willing. You've not got full, a full life. Something is missing. And you will long for it. And you will try to fill it up with stuff. See, this is not just a cool song. It's God's truth in music form. It breaks my heart to think that... Think, have I truly been living? I think this to myself. Have I really truly been living for God? Or just missing out? God has a plan for us. And it's not always what we think it is going to be. But I hope you feel like me and you want to find out 
what your plan will be. Because I'm telling you, if you've accepted Christ and you're still alive, God isn't finished with you yet. He still wants to use you. Because if he didn't, as soon as you accepted Christ, he would kill you and take you to heaven. Or he would just skip the skip step and you would just be in heaven. But he didn't, did he? Because I came to Christ through somebody else. You came to Christ through somebody else. God uses people in our lives. George Mueller says this, in the greatest difficulties, in the heaviest trials, in the deepest poverty and the necessities, he has never failed me. But because I was enabled by his grace to trust him, he gives us the grace to trust him. He has always appeared for my help. I delight in speaking well of his name. If you've got Amazon Fire, by the way, Amazon TV, the Fire Box stick, if you've got one, there's a really good uh, documentary on George Mueller's life. I'm telling you, it's worth a listen to. It's worth watching. James 4, 7 says this, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We're asking for the kingdom of God to come into people's lives. You see, when you pray this, you're saying, you are praying that the Spirit will claim more minds and more hearts that were once dark to the light. You are praying for the light to enter this dark world. We should also be praying for our pastors, our teachers, our friends, our family. People we don't like. We should be praying for them. Our enemies. We should be praying for them to come into the light. And that the gifts of of the Spirit should increase and the grace flows out of the church. You see, grace is supposed to flow out of this place. We're it's not just come here on Sunday, worship God, and go out there and live however you want. The grace is supposed to flow through you. You're supposed to come to church on Sunday to either hear the gospel preached and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, or to get fed so you can go out there and reach other people that are lost in the world. See, every material thing that you can touch with your hands will soon be taken away from you. Everything that you own, even the clothes you're wearing, will soon be gone. When you die, there is no U-Haul going to the funeral home with you. And most of the stuff you leave behind is going to end up in a dumpster. The only thing you can take with you to heaven, there's one thing you can take to heaven with you, and guess what it is? Other people. The only thing you can take to heaven, other people. So we're supposed to 
be praying that the kingdom comes, the light shines, the light shines through us into other people's lives. We need to pray for them and we need to help them meet and find the wonderful King Jesus. You see, I can tell you, I've been a Christ follower now for 18 years. And if I went back 19 years and told some of the people that I knew back then that I would be up here preaching this message to you, they would have laughed in your face. I told my wife I will never step foot in church. I don't tell, say never for anything anymore because God's got a sense of humor. And he thinks it's, it, it, it's fun and funny. I really believe he laughs every time I speak. I really do. Because he can use somebody like me. And if you ask my wife, she would tell you you was crazy. You were crazy. I guess God is still getting the last laughs though, isn't he? He's still laughing. Right now, he's laughing. The greatest, most satisfying moments in your life will occur when you carrying out God's will with joyful agent on earth. That is what's going to be the happiest parts of your life. When you are telling other people, living your life, knowing Christ. So people don't even have to hear your words. Eventually, they will need to hear why you're like you are. I don't believe they can hear the, hear the gospel without speaking. I believe, though, they look at your actions first and they wonder why you are like the way you are. And then they start asking questions and you're just honest. And you tell them, I've got tattoos. Guess what I do every time I get tattoos? I witness to my tattoo guy. And he listens. Because I can't go anywhere and he's getting paid to stay there. And you know what? Not the last time, but the time before, he was going through a hard time. And he said, there's something about you, Ed. He sent me a text afterwards. There's something about you, Ed, that makes me feel at peace. You make me feel... It's God. And I can openly, I can openly, because I like tattoos, and I get God-glorifying tattoos, but I like tattoos, so I can witness to my tattooist, who used to be a Muslim. And the last time I was there, he was talking about getting his children, and he was, he was having confliction with his wife about his children learning about God. And that's what we were talking about. I think it's great that God can use me. I, I think it's awesome that, that, that God puts you in situations and puts you in places that, that, that there is no wasted moments in your life. And you can share with anybody. And I didn't bring up the conversation. He brought the conversation up because, I'm, because of something he felt about me. No, no, nothing, no other reason. Luke 19 and 9 says this. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to the house 
repentance also is a son of Abraham. You see, he was talking to, to Lazarus, and he said this because Jesus preached the gospel. Jesus led people to himself. And then Acts 16, 14 says, One who heard us, Paul's writing this, was a woman named Lydia from the city of Tyre. I always say. Tyra, 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 a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart. So who saved her? The Lord. Who did he use? Paul. You see, here's the thing. You can't save anybody. I can't save my tattooist, can I? Jesus can, though. And Jesus can use me. I will tell you, I accepted Christ from hearing a message from David. David didn't save me. God used him to save me. Just like he uses people all the time. He can use you. But guess what you have to be? Willing to submit to him. So your homework for this week is... What step do you need to take to step towards surrendering to God this week? And how do we need to reset our course so it aligns with God's will? What can we do to align more with God's will? John Piper says this, Prayer is not for... The enhancement of our comforts, but the advancement of Christ's kingdom. Remember that when you pray this week. Remember that we're praying for more people to be in heaven and less people to be in hell. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a great and awesome God who do come and and, and, and that you're a loving Father, and we pray that, that you can continue to bring your kingdom down through us, that you can continue to, to reach the lost, that you can continue to use us, that we can put you on the throne, we can kick ourselves off of the throne, and we can put you there where you belong, O oh Lord. Because you are a great king and a great Father, who takes care of our needs and even sometimes throws in some wants, God. We thank you. We thank you for being such an awesome God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.